Hey everybody, I am with uh, what I would call one of the best friends I've ever had in the movement industry and someone who I've gotten to become very, very close with over the past decade plus. And his name is Gary Gray and uh, you probably don't need much of an introduction, Gary, because well, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have and that's a good thing. And uh, I'm just an honor to have you here, an honor to be on the Chimosa podcast and uh, really excited to dive in because I love chatting with you. I love hearing your stories. I love being around you, and this is the time I get to be kind of one-on-one -on -one with you. So uh, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Welcome to the Gymnasa Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, that was by, by far the best introduction I've ever had because you introduced me as your friend. So uh, that's, that's what I want to be known for. And uh, so I appreciate that. It, it, I think we're going to have some fun just sharing together as we always do. It just seems that uh, you and I, uh, anytime we get together, you just bring a big grin to my uh, face and to my heart. So I appreciate the opportunity to share together. I appreciate that too. Well, thank you. So we met uh, 2009, it was November 2009, and I just got done talking to uh, Lisa Huck, if you remember her. Mm. And um, I saw her in, in my training gym at that time, a big box gym, um, just doing essentially the spherical warm-up, if I could say it so simply, um, yeah. at that point. And it looked very, well, in that atmosphere with Treadmill Alley and the mirrors and the dumbbells and the Smith's machine squat rack, it looked way out of place. But <laughs> it looked way out of place. And I just kind of brushed it off. Like, there's another, I'm, I'm not going to call it a weirdo, but that's probably in my brain what I was thinking about. Sure. You know, I mean, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to go train my clients and, you know, make sure their biceps look good and make sure they got, you know, good form and knees over the toes. Right. But I remember talking to a power lifter, like our token power lifter at that spot. And his name was Joe. I said, yeah, I said, who is that? Who is that lady over there? He's like, oh, that's, that's a, my, my trainer in a sense. He's like, you have a trainer? I like, well, I, I, have a, I have a trainer who helps me kind of ungunk my SI joint. And in my head, mm -hmm. I was thinking, what trainer knows how to do that? Mm -hmm. I was like, that's reserved. That's a reserved I got to go spend $100,000, three years, move out of, this, out of this place, go get a PT degree. Right. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She takes care of me every time. And so that was like, that was my trigger to say, to go meet her, talk with her. And then she said, you got to go do, you got to go meet Gary. Great. You got to go meet Dave. Tiberia, you got to go to this conference called Chain Reaction. And mm -hmm. that was probably in September. So I signed up and there I was in San Diego. Um, just as green as could be. And uh, anyways, met you and I, after, after the end of day one, at the, no, excuse me, at the half point of day one, 
I ended up leaving, going to lunch, calling my mentor at the time saying, I got it. This is my vehicle. This is my process. So to mm-hmm. me, I had to start there because that for me as a trainer who didn't get into PT school um, eight different times, essentially, after two different years and didn't want to give up, um, I had this answer and you provided it for me. Um, so it'd be a lot of work. I doubt no questions asked on that one, but um, it was a really, really interesting point. Um, yeah. So, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, I knew part of that story, but I didn't know the the significance of that story. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, you got it. You got it. So I want to know your story. How did you develop or come up with the Gray Institute? What was your passion, your reasoning? Did it just fall into place, or was it was it something you were very intentional about from the beginning? Um, the, the, I've been asked that a number of times, and uh, and I'm not sure I even answer it the same way each time because I kind of come at it from a different angle. Um, I was blessed in seventh grade to know two things that I wanted to be a physical therapist and I wanted to be, and I wanted to marry this girl. So very few seventh graders know those two things in life, you know, so who are you going to marry and what are you going to be when you grow up? And I could have told you in seventh grade. And as you know, the rest of the story, um, I was blessed to become a physical therapist as well as a personal trainer and strength coach and an athletic trainer. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but more importantly, I got to marry that girl. Um, and, and back in my day, and you'll hear that a lot, I just never thought I'd be an old guy that would say that. You know, being, you know, being around old people and hearing them say that, I just used to shake my head and go, oh, boy, here we go. Another back in my day story. And, you know, but back in my day, um, to get into physical therapy school was – extremely easy if you were a male. So your grade point had to be a 2.0 or better. Um, I'm not sure I made that. I think I was in a 1.9 range, which I thought was good. That's, you know, my mom and dad always taught me that, you know, at least you're trying to be average, Gary. And so I was just a pinch below average. I didn't think that was that bad. But at that time, they were encouraging schools to get males through the door uh, uh, because at that time it was a very female dominant uh, profession. Uh, so to get it, my very first school, um, I just went to two years of, uh, college and applied and they called me up, didn't even ask for an interview. They wanted to know if I had a pulse, if I really was a guy. Um, and would I consider trying to get my grade point average up? And I said, sure. And they said, well, you're in. And so my third year of college, I went to PT school. And back then, you all you had to do is get a bachelor's degree. So two years later, you get spit out, take the state board, and you're a physical therapist. Um, but I was smart enough to know how dumb I was and, and what I didn't know. And I can remember vividly uh, my first job uh, and, and going home. This is three months before I got married uh, to this little apartment and crying, realizing I had just let a lot of people down. Uh, probably even more significant, I I felt that I let myself down because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I checked the boxes in PT school, but they didn't, they didn't tell, teach me how to think. They didn't teach me how to understand what that total knee or total hip person really did. They didn't really tell me about what the sacroiliac joint. Uh, they told me there was one there, but they didn't tell me how with like a power lifter, it'd get, it would get irritated. Um, and I panicked. I just, you know, I didn't know what to do. So um, it was subconsciously conscious 
saying that either I'm going to leave this field because I just don't want to come home and cry every night, uh, or I'm going to have to take it upon myself to educate myself. And that started a long, long journey of educating uh, and learning from people like yourself and just learning, which I, I uh, hopefully still do uh, even at this day. So uh, it was a little bit purposeful, but um, a lot of it just kind of fell into place as I started putting the pieces together. Hmm. How far into your career would you say that this concept well, happened? Well, it, it happened quickly because um, <laughs> my very first job was in a place called Adrian, Michigan. And as I look out the windows here, I'm in a place called Adrian, Michigan. So I'm still here, uh, literally 45 years later. Um, and I was conned, literally conned, into being the director of a physical therapy department that saw about 100 and X amount of patients, 120 some days, 150. And then my particular first day, the other, uh, what they did tell me is the other therapist had quit. I'm not sure if they, they at least, I think they quit before they knew I was coming. So, uh, so I was the chief physical therapist and a huge inpatient and outpatient clinic that saw everything, neurological patients, orthopedic patients, everything. Um, and I can vividly remember within the first month, I had a very, really uh, kind hospital administrator. Um, his name was Wally Stewart, and he's just a sweetheart of a man. And he came down and would always ask how it's going. And I would say, I have no idea what I'm doing, but, you know, so I had to, I didn't hi have to, I hired a few more. I had hired some therapists. That was kind of neat to be able to hire my own therapist. Uh, I was in charge of occupational therapy as well as speech therapy. Uh, but he asked this interesting question. He goes, have you approved the budget? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, sir, I don't know what a budget is. Uh, he goes, well, I kind of figured that. He goes, what, what happens is every year we have to decide what we're going to buy for each department. And then each department head uh, submits what they want. And therefore, the, before the other three therapists left, they already outlined their budget. They got it approved by the board. But you have to do final approval so we can order it. So you just have to sign it. And we order all the stuff. I go, oh, that sounds pretty good. He goes, so do you know where the budget is? I go, no, sir, I, I don't know. He, so he looks in the file cabinet. He goes, well, it's probably under B. I go, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sure enough, there it was, budget. And he pulled it out, and he says, so here's a budget. He's really kind, trying to explain to me. But I quickly noticed a line item, and it, was, it said Cybex. And next to it said $40,000. And I looked at him, and I said, uh, you're going to buy that? And he goes, yeah, oh, yeah. He says, the three therapists that were here, they got in front of the board. They presented why they need it, why we can't even be a sports medicine clinic without having it, and why it's the state of the art. And and I looked at him and I go, um, respectfully, sir, uh, if you buy it, I'm not going to use it. And he goes, what? You know, and I said, I, I'm not sure if I can explain it in detail to you, but um, I, I don't I won't use it. It's something that I don't, I don't believe in. He goes, well, how can you not believe in it? And I go. That's probably a pretty good, pretty good question, but it doesn't make sense to me sitting on a table making your leg go back and forth, especially for $40,000, and especially at the same speed. So I started to even articulate back then kind of what we now know as kind of the functional movement spectrum. And he goes, well, shoot, you just saved us $40,000. And I go, well, 
Just that but I, I'd like I'd like to know if I could change that and and move some money down here into the continuing education budget. And he goes, well, yeah. He says, right now the, there's a thousand dollars there. How much do you want? I said, I want forty thousand dollars. And he goes, well, all the finances have been approved. I guess it doesn't matter if we buy a a Cybex or we use it. And I go, done. Yeah. And so he approved that. And uh, I worked my tail off the next two, three, four years trying to go to every seminar I could I could uh, get into. Um, I do have to admit that on a few of them, I lied um, because they wouldn't allow if you weren't a chiropractor, they wouldn't allow non chiropractors in. But as long as I put Dr. Gary Gray and Dash chiropractor and sent my money in, it seemed to work pretty good. (laughs) Podiatrists were the same way. They were very protective of orthotics back then. And so unless you were a podiatrist, you didn't get to go learn more about the foot. I knew I knew nothing about the foot. So I put Dr. Gary Gray. Uh, Some of the osteopaths in our area were very well known. Um, Same thing. You know, unless you were osteopathic medicine physician, you didn't get through the door. But strangely enough, if you wrote down Dr. Gary Gray and uh, sent your check in, they'd let you sneak in. So I went. I went everywhere and I was fascinated by how many smart people were out there. I mean, I was first of all intimidated, but then like, wow, but it became very obvious to me very early on is that very few people were connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. Foot specialists, podiatrists didn't even know what a knee did. And in my mind's eye, it was connected by a tibia and you should probably know what the foot does relative to the knee. It just made sense because when the knee moved, the foot moved. When the foot moved, the knee moved. And so you're only getting part of the story. You only had one half of the coin, so to speak. So uh, that was the start, uh, looking at looking at all that and um, realizing that it'd be kind of fun if somebody put this together, you know, hmm. kind of connected the dots and brought all these people together and, and uh, trying to understand. At the same time, I became a, a certified athletic trainer. I got my strength coach certification. Uh, again, you have to remember back then it was very easy. Uh, not as many hours, not as many. And then uh, I took a couple personal training classes on, uh, you couldn't do anything online because there's no such thing as online back then. Uh, so you just went to a seminar on a weekend and they called it a personal training degree. And as long as you didn't kill anybody, you were good, good to go. Um, and I started getting embarrassed thinking maybe I missed this in school. Maybe I, maybe I'm just stupid and I, I didn't listen very well. Um, but as I started talking to a lot of other therapists and trainers and athletic trainers and strength coaches, they didn't get it either. They didn't, they didn't know how the body really worked, how it was connected. So that was, that's a long way to tell you how, how the journey started. Is it all that you hope for? Or is it is the is the outcome right now? Uh, you know, take away the pan, pandemic, but is the outcome where you thought it would be, or is it way beyond, or is it? No, nah, you still got you still got two decades left where you got to push. <laughs> um, let's start with the first question: Is it all that I hope for? It's more than what I hope for. And this is going to sound dorky, but you got to understand, I'm an old guy. Well, because of that, go for it. <laughs> because of that, yeah, because of that. I got to meet you. And when I reflect uh, back on having the privilege of getting in front of people and sharing and the people that I have met and become friends with and admire, um, if you would have asked me back then, do you ever believe you're going to have this many cool friends? Hmm. I'd go, 
nobody has this many cool friends. I mean, that's impossible. I don't know how anybody would do that. And so it's in a very significant way. It's been more than I ever dreamed uh, because of uh, who I've been able to share my life with. So I've been, I've been more than I could ever hope for. That's awesome. Well, I can certainly say I appreciate it because it's changed my life and the entire lives of my team and now the entire lives and business lives of those who we are sharing and educating to. So it's a really cool, uh, cool, it's a lackluster word. It's a profoundly transformational process that mm -hmm. uh, uh, you've started and I know you've had a lot of uh, partners and help and influences along the way and all that convergence is uh, is uh, changing a big, a yeah. big so and that and that's why I believe it's such a blessing um, you know just as you when you when you when you do get a little older you, you realize that statistics would say I'm not gonna live quite live as another 67 years <laughs> uh, so you know most most data would confirm that so that's what you call evidence-based scientific proof and so you kind of look, you look, you have a sense for looking backwards a little more. You still try to move forward, but you look backwards. But man, when you look backwards and you see, you know, uh, friends like yourself and just, you know, just the times we've been together and the joy we've had and just little things like that, you go, wow, this has been a pretty, pretty cool deal. So it's yeah. uh, any, any friendship like that uh, really turns out to be a mutual blessing. I appreciate that. You were describing something that I had to tap onto because we were talking about it pre pre this show. In a sense, is that you know uh, you went and studied a lot of things. Essentially, what I would say is you became a specialist of many specialties, and that's what mm -hmm. I, that we are as a training group. Is there's a lot of great stuff out there, um, a lot of good mindsets. Some are some of them are literally contraindicating of each other, but that doesn't necessarily make them wrong or right. It's just right. an approach, but it all comes down to a foundation and that foundation of, you know, AFS or applied functional science is something that you've packaged and really kind of put out there for some people to really dive their, their teeth into. And we call it being functional. And it's just that simply that. And the world's functional training right now is, well, it's a, kind of a basket case of, of, a, of a phrase. What does it mean to you though? What does it mean to you that, you know, if someone who would say, gosh, functional training, functional physical therapeutics, et cetera, kind of, you know, it kind of came from you guys from at least a popularity standpoint. Um, yeah. What does it mean to you? What yeah, we, we're the ones that I think help mess it up. Um, <laughs> when I look back on, you know, because when we would compare traditionally what I was taught to do versus what I thought functionally you should do. We, of course, started throwing out the phrase, well, this is going to be functional therapy. This will be functional rehab. This will be functional training. This will be functional performance. And I don't think we really knew what we were talking about. We just knew it was a little bit different and it looked a little more like the function. Um, your phrase that you shared with me, though, I think is a brilliant phrase, being a specialist of specialties, because function is context dependent. Uh, and therefore, what's functional... Uh, this morning I swam. Uh, so if you said, hey, let me see your, your training program, I'd say, well, hopefully I'm a specialist of this specialty of swimming because I train a lot of swimmers. So I need to understand what the common denominator is for all of human movement. But then I have to be smart enough to say, and in the water with freestyle, 
what what do I have to think about differently and what do I create differently in order to make that allow that person to enjoy swimming more? So I love the I love the concept that you shared with me early on, uh, a, special, a specialist of specialties, because that's really what I think we need to try to be. Um, and how do we determine those specialties? Well, that we listen to our client. They'll come in and they'll tell us, I want to be able to do this. And so immediately I go, well, is that my specialty? You know, and and if it's not, let's learn about it. Let's go back to the specialist part and look at the common denominator things. And then let's look where we have to go to say, okay, I can, I think I can help you with that because your specialty is now my specialty. And uh, so I, I love that phraseology. So um, I think what we got wrong for a number of years is just c- talking about functionally globally and realizing that you even global function, you have to d- identify uh, and be somewhat of a specialist in understanding that. So uh, we're trying to do a better job with that. Um, uh, we, we have come up with what we would call a uh, a, a way to assess, you know, we have a way to assess somebody globally, but then we always ask, then tell me what else, what you really want to do. And then we have to specialize that assessment to make it specific for that particular thingamabob. I need to pick boxes off the floor at the factory. I, I want to hit a golf ball further. I want to run faster. I want to be able to walk on the beach without my back hurting. I want to, so we go, okay, let's look at the like you should say, the foundational, fundamental specialty of human movement. But now let's now apply it to what you just told me you would like my help with. And that, that becomes, I think, this, uh, one of the specialties that we, that we uh, engage in. Yeah, I like that. What, what, what products are you guys offering, working on now that a trainer um, can say, gosh, I can really sink my teeth into that? Uh, knowing that you're a physical therapist by license and trade and a lot of people that go in there, I, I think they get this sense that, oh, you got to be a, a PT. Um, but what are, you, what are you doing right now for, for trainers to be like, you know what? I got this one. Thanks for letting me know about it. Yeah, well, um, pe- people like yourself who get into this field uh, do it because they really have this heart to help people. Um, sure. Rarely, especially like in my day, um, like my, my first job, I made, uh, I think it was, I, I say $7,200 a, a year, but I think it was 76. So I think I embellished the lowness. So we don't all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm going to dedicate myself to training people and rehabbing people. So I get rich, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that was never, so I get rich was never part of the, the rest of the sentence. Uh, we all said that because we kind of took joy into helping people. We had this certain thing inside of us that when they seemed to get excited, we got excited. When they felt better, we felt better. When they moved better, we we just thought, wow, this is this is pretty cool. So very early on, I realized that my specialty wouldn't be physical therapy. Uh, physical therapy is uh, a, a part of a spectrum, which simply means somebody wants to do something, but at this time something hurts or they have a surgery or they just did have a surgery or they have a neurological problem or somehow their body was compromised where we need to understand hopefully what's going on so we can get them and restore back as much function as possible. But I also realized that personal trainers were doing that every day as well. They were just enhancing movement. Um, And when I finally realized everything was movement, the common denominator is movement, the goal is movement. 
the assessment should be movement. The training should be movement. The rehab should be movement. Uh, I realized that, well, this is going to apply directly to those who dedicate themselves as a personal trainer. Hmm. Uh, I watched, uh, if, if they haven't done it yet, they need to go to the gymnasium website and see the video you guys have up front. It's just only three minutes long, but it's a neat video. It's an emotional video. And it kind of explains this, I think, quite well. Um, and, you know, just the passion that you all have of just allowing somebody to trust you to create an environment where you're enhancing their life. And so it applies to, uh, you know, if your job is to enhance the movement of another individual, which that covers a lot of jobs, and yeah. certainly it covers the, the, the life of a personal trainer, then uh, that's what Gray Institute has dedicated themselves towards is allowing us all to understand it better so we can get people to move and experience life better. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because from the training world, you know, when I went through it, uh, 2010, and what I'm talking about just for all the listeners is called uh, GIFT. And uh, GIFT is a 40-week fellowship that uh, it's uh, immersive, I like to say. And the cool thing about it is you, have the, you guys have had the, have, the, have the foresight to go digital, to go online mm -hmm. well before the need was there. Right. Uh, it was a really powerful thing. I remember even uh, I was I'm just beyond the point where I would actually would have bought a VHS video of yours. Um, I mm -hmm. still remember those very, very well, but I didn't buy them from you. I actually got a CD. So I'm on the next tier. <laughs> but I remember getting the, uh, the functional video digest videos and uh, getting those and diving into those. And then by the time I actually did, you know, actually wanted to gift, it was all actually it was still CD then. Now that's all digital in a sense. Right. The file. Yeah, long story short. So to go through that and to go through 40 weeks, actually I went through it twice by definition because I did, yep. uh, did the, uh, the graduate program for those kind of listening. But that's, that's a, another 40 weeks where you, it's more like uh, it teaches you how to teach it. And I think that's the easiest yep. way that I can say it. So 80 weeks of time mostly spending in front of a computer screen, learning mm -hmm. and six different trips because I did it twice. Um, moving and moving in Adrian, Michigan, and it's a fun place because it's about the size of San Luis Obispo. Um, so I felt <laughs> very at home. I felt very at home. Right. Um, but it was uh, it was a transformative time because it, it sitting there. I was sitting next to a guy, and if you're listening, John, out there, I hope you are. But I uh, sit next to uh, John Madonia, and we were the two youngest guys there. Actually, I was second youngest. He was third youngest. Was one guy. And so I was I was 25 at the, at the time. And I remember looking around and be like, "What am I doing here?" Because we had some <laughs> amazing people talking about stuff that I literally had no idea what they were saying. I mean, neither did I. So technology <laughs> at all. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, "What the hell am I doing here?" Yeah. But it was really interesting because I got to I, well, the what I love about what you do here is that you tell stories so well, and uh, I what I love about you a lot, and what I love about my wife a lot is you embellish stories a lot too, and that is a good thing. A pinch, a pinch, <laughs> a pinch. But they're so believable, um, and I know a lot of them are true. In fact, you know I think there should be a Chronicles of Gary Gray. Um, 
sooner than later in the sense, you know, just of all the stories and the experiences that you've done from anything from, um, gosh, the one amazing story about uh, you're in a high school gym and you tell the most nervous you've ever trained a single athlete. And I don't want oh, yeah. to throw away, but who that athlete was, that's an amazing right. All the way to, to going to San Diego, um, not because of San Diego, but because of the uh, the military base that's in San Diego. and up Right. That's an amazing story. So that's another story of special list of specialties and yep. what those Navy um, sailors, in a sense, have to do to get proficient. So right. uh, why I'm sharing this is that is is that from a trainer standpoint, and what we're able to do is understanding the basic principles of human movement and how you've broken it down so simply, really, and I think that's the gift is how simply we put it. And then knowing that it's just a complex web of craziness, in it. And mm -hmm. you know, to me, it's so amazing that the human body has this structure built underneath it and the rules, in a sense, the principles, yeah. truths yeah. with it. And how it's a reverse, you can reverse engineer it. You, know, you just have yep. to, it's, it's quite possible. And we do it even as a trainer. And then uh, a, a tip of the cap, how we've be been able to take that information and fuel our ability to feed that to, to trainers in a in a more I won't call it a simplized way, but in a more directed way. And mm -hmm. I think that's I think what's going on is the ability for the training world to uplift itself, to fill that gap, or to yep. get into the medical space, as I like to say it. Because to me, training and conditioning is the front lines of the entire medical system. It just right. doesn't have the credibility in a sense, and right. I, I don't think it deserves it. Um, at this particular point, because there's a there's a lot of I don't call it well, there's just a lot of stuff out there that really doesn't have a lot of principle in this, doesn't have that rootedness to it. It's a lot of theory and feel, and well, here's a good idea, or maybe it has right. education and and research behind it, but the research is flawed from the beginning because it's a scope of this small. So right. why I'm telling this whole thing is that you've been able to put a lot of great content out there for trainers to look into. From a movement assessments, and though you plugged my website, sneaky guy, I want to plug your website from the Great Institute and go into that and to dive in, in there because that's that's something that I think there's a harmony there that uh, someone who wants to dig in more and really get a lot of power and pop out of knowledge, uh, you guys really have that. And I'm going to shamelessly plug ours too with our multidimensional movement coach as well, because it's really taking it from a coaching standpoint or a training standpoint and in a facility standpoint. So it's a great marriage and I uh, really appreciate it. So well, I, we, we, we admire what uh, you've done with your functional movement coach, because um, again, having, having the ability that you have of, you know, looking at, looking at everything and, and deciding what's the best for your client. That's, that's really your job, but very few people have that ability. And then uh, I think what stim stimulated you, and you'd have to you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is the tremendous success that you guys have had and how you approach a client um, you want to share with the world. And so that's why you, you know, I think we're, we're so excited because of what you've done and, and what you're going to be able to do to help so many people. Uh, but you're just saying, hey, this, this, is, this works. Uh, it's really empowering uh, for us and for the client, and therefore we have this way that we could share with you um, is definitely 
uh, if I was a personal trainer, I would look into first. Uh, like you say, we have a lot of stuff that we can throw at you, but uh, the way you put it together and, and took out some of the fat, I think is really critical for, especially if somebody wants to be really good at what they want to do really quick. I think uh, following your pathway is good there. So I, th I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, right on, right on. So as, as we navigate and we start pushing out there, you know, obviously to share, right? We, we call it open sourcing, right? We're going to open right. what we've done and be as authentic about it as possible. Be as real about it because some stuff yep. is pretty easy once you get it. And some stuff is really, really hard. And you really yep. understand every single joint. And I remember we were sitting there listening from you. You said, you're going to have to know what every single joint does in the entire body in all three planes of motion in connection with every other joint in the body and how it works in all three planes of motion. For every specialty. Yeah, and I said, and I looked at myself and said, I, oof, I, man, you know, I barely got out of college, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, be, uh, be, but because I barely got out of college, quote unquote, because I sat in the desk and listened to people talk to me. And I took notes and I was tested on a multiple choice answer. And yeah. I realized that's not the way I learned. And the no. entire school system is designed to teach people a certain way. Right. The way it is. But to get up and to feel it, to have the kinesthetic opportunity to learn and to stop that video and stop the, the lecture, get up and feel and move, it was a profound revelation that is not new. It's not new that people learn by doing. But right. Actually, have an application base was a really big, big deal. So, as we're sharing it, we're getting more people saying to us, like, "What are you guys doing? Where's your science? Where's your data?" And I'm, right. and I have a very strong answer. It's called the empirical data, and we have it with our clients, all 400 of them outside there every single day. And yep. I'm finding that in this space, you really can't have a case study on it, but you can certainly show a video of before and after. And enough subjective data becomes objective over over time. So yes. I'm sure, is there any stories that you have? And this is a fun thing. Is, I want to make this light lighthearted. Any stories that you've had to come through? And I know they're out there. But what I love about you is your stories. Yeah, of I won't call them haters, but opportunities where you say, yeah, it's an opportunity here for me to maybe share a different perspective. And it's <laughs> one that's more memorable. Yeah. Um, to well, you. Well, it's it's funny we. Um, uh, of course, the, the, the privilege I had was very early on, literally 44 years ago, uh, being able to get up in front of a group of people and sharing. I remember the first time I shared um, about how I thought the knee functioned. And I remember saying, you can't learn to dance while sitting on your pants. And, and I shared with everybody who was using a knee machine at that time that um, I don't use a knee machine. But in fact, I ignore the knee. I like to use the hip and the foot. And there's two responses to that. Um, one, tell me more, or you're crazy. Uh, show me the proof. And it, it, some of it was like stunning. Like, so what kind of proof do you need if I if I show you a skeleton and I show you a femur, and at the top of the femur we call it the hip, and at the bottom of the femur we call it the knee. So do you need any more proof than that that the two are connected? You know, it's like sometimes it's like, come on, people just, and what I found very early on is people who approach things like that, the quote unquote, we really haven't had any haters. I don't think anybody would say, well, we hate those guys. Um, 
but we've had some people that have been critical. Uh, and as we get an opportunity, try to understand where they're coming from. Um, the ones that are trying to defend their own ego, uh, their own turf, their own education, their own, whatever, um, just don't have the ability to set their teddy bear next to them and listen. Uh, those who have been, I think, very successful say, just for a second, I'll listen to you, Gary. I'm going to put my teddy bear over here and go ahead and share with me uh, and, go, and go from there. This, it quickly reminded me of a story where a few years ago I got an email from a young lady who was finishing her physical therapy degree. And of course, now they, they come out with a doctor of physical therapy. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why that happened, but theoretically now uh, we're doctors. Um, and to get out of school, you have to, every school has a little different twist on this, but you have to do a doctoral thesis. And in this email, this young lady was very kind and said, Mr. Graham, we're reaching out to you because I need your help. I've been assigned my doctoral thesis and my doctoral thesis is this, prove all of Gray Institute theories to be false. That was her, that was the title of her doctoral thesis. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, well, uh, so, so I, I wrote her back and I said, um, this is neat. Uh, I said, I think I need to talk to you a little more uh, to understand how I could help you. Uh, do you mind if we got on the phone? And she got back right back. I mean, yeah, no, I can. You tell me when. To, and so we we got online. I, I can't remember exactly. That was either that day or the next day. And I said, you got to share with me a little more what's going on here. Well, I'm, a, you know. Uh, last year, uh, at this particular school, I'll be a doctor in physical therapy here in a few months. And I have to write this big paper. And my professor gave me this topic that I, uh, need to prove all the theories of Gray Institute, uh, to be false. So I have to do a lot of research and look at the science and all the, everything that's out there and prove that what you guys are doing is basically wrong. I go, wow, that's pretty cool. I said, uh, First of all, you need to thank that professor because whoever it is, they're letting you, they're, they're forcing you to think critically. I said, I like that. I like that approach. You know, um, I'm not really sure I agree with the topic they gave you, but I said, I like the idea that they're trying to get you to think critically. And uh, so I said, can I ask you a couple questions? And she goes, well, sure. I said, well, what do you know about it? She goes, absolutely nothing. Um, I, I said, have you been on our website? Uh, well, that's how I got your, uh, name. Uh, I went on and I called your secretary and they gave me your email and that's how I got a hold of you. I said, have you studied anything that we have online? No. I go, okay. I said, the person who gave you this topic, uh, is this a, a professor that you deal with that you've been dealing with for the last years? Oh yeah. Very close. I said, uh, is it a he or she? And it's a she. Okay. Uh, has she studied anything that we've done? No. In fact, I asked her that. She just knows that you guys teach a lot of the opposite of what we learn in physical therapy. So she wants to put an end to it. And she even thinks this pa paper might even be published. And I go, oh, well, that's even better because now you're not just doing it for school to get out of school. You're going to you know, publish this paper and prove that uh, my entire life's work has been worthless. So I, that's, that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool deal. I said, well, how can I help you? And she goes, well, I need you to send me a list of your theories. And I go, well, I can do one better than that. I said, uh, we have a bunch of online assets. I said, if I gave you an online asset that outlined what you might call our theories, 
um, would you be willing to take it and then get it back to me and then outline how I can help you? You would do that for me? I said, I'd love to. So that's right when we came out with 3D maps. So I, I said, great. I got a hold of my secretary. I said, please give this to this young lady as a gift. And I said, in the next you know, week or two, when you get done with this, uh, let's talk again so I can see how I can help you. Because my goal is to get you out of PT school. You know, so you can so. Uh, she got back to me the next day. I can remember this vividly. And uh, she goes, I'm done. I'm ready to talk. Was What she did is she stayed up all night and watched the nine and a half hours of 3D maps. Wow. Well, that's not true. She watched it twice. So hmm. from the time that we had talked on, well, let's pretend it's a Tuesday, to when we talked Wednesday afternoon, she watched 3D maps twice. Wow. And so now she's ready to, she's ready to talk. And... Um, so we got on the phone and I said, wow, that's impressive. She goes, well, I'm really, really upset. And I go, well, look, maybe I can help you. I, I apologize. Maybe, oh, no, I'm not upset at you. I'm upset at my schooling. I go, what do you mean? She goes, why didn't I learn this? It's so basic. It's so common sense. And he goes, and here's my biggest problem. You have no theories. I go, well, I was going to tell you that, but. Um, I thought it'd be easier if you, you kind of learned it, you know, I said, we're not, people who are smart have theories. They take a lot of facts and then they go, theoretically, if this is true, then this might be true. I said, we learned very early on, at least I did, that I ain't smart enough to come up with a theory. So what we did is we said, what's already out there that's been proven, such as gravity, such as three planes of motion such as the body's a chain reaction, such as how the proprioceptors really work, such as how the muscles really function, such as, uh, and so I went on and on, went kind of through the litmus test that she had just gone through twice. And she goes, yeah, so, but, but you, you can't argue anything you do. I go, well, that's because it's all fact-based. It's all truth-based. It's all, people call it research-based, you know. So if you want to argue with Newton, be my guest, but Newton would say, if you have this structure, you call human body standing, and gravity's trying to suck it to the inside of the earth, and you think there's a muscle called a hamstring that bent the knee, you're crazed in the head. Uh, so I, gravity, sucked it to the center of the earth. And so one of the things you might want to do is study how much gravity does to that human body and not mistake having a muscle do it. And she kind of laughed and she goes, well, you know, I we just took a test a few months ago and that the question was, what's the function of the hamstring? And we better put down flex the knee. And I said, well, again, it's context dependent, but in most functional cases, when you're up and walking and running and kicking and, and dancing and stuff, uh, the function of the hamstring is actually to extend the knee opposite of what you learned and to control rotation and what we call frontal plane motion. She goes, I, why didn't I learn this? She says, in one day I learned, and she, this is her quote, I learned more with a nine and a half hour course than I did in my entire physical therapy career. I go, well, that's not, that's, that's first of all, impossible. She goes, no, let me, add, let me, let me make it, let, let me clarify it. Practical things, things I can use tomorrow. I go, okay, that's different. Because they made you memorize, you know, the brachial plexus for crying out loud. Why? I have no idea because it's right here uh, on a piece of paper and you're never going to use it again. So she goes, well, I, I have a really big problem. She says, but I have a better idea. I go, what's your idea? She says, I'm going to write a paper on the 
principles that Gray Institutes follows that's going to transform our profession. And I said, I think that's going to be a good paper. Uh, as you can imagine, she called me back the next day crying. I mean, it wasn't like like uncontrollable crying, but she literally, you could tell she was upset. She goes, I talked to my professor and she won't allow me to do that. She goes, I gave you one job to do and that's prove what they teach is wrong and you didn't do it. So you have to change it. So she says, now I have to come up with something new and different. And I said, okay, remember when I told you how I was impressed I was with that professor? Yeah, I'll take it all back. Uh, I said, so you put your, you know, you watched 19 hours of online stuff. You're excited about enhancing the prof your profession, your ability to take care of a patient, your ability to follow evidence-based truth, your ability to have strategies that are going to be powerful for you and your classmates for the rest of your life, your ability and your professor denies you that ability to do that. And she's the one who's, who basically stuck you on us. I said, I, I, I would love to talk with her at some point and just share with her. I think she's taking a very brilliant mind and uh, distorting it and teaching it the wrong thing. And that is you went out there and you learned and you, and you did it on your own and you realized what truth is. You, you decided to follow the truth and now she's denying you the opportunity to do that. So that that's a sad story for me. That's a sad story. Um, Unreal. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there. That's their approach. Mm -hmm. It isn't what I've been teaching for the last 40 years. It can't be right. These, these people are bad people to teach that the hamstrings extend the knee and not flex the knee. Um, and as you know, probably 95% of what we teach, it's contrary to what you learn in your personal training certification, certainly contrary to what we learn in physical therapy school. It's contrary to what I learned in athletic, my athletic training certification, but it's not crap we made up. It's not theoretical. It's 100%. If this is true, that has to be true. If the body moves in three planes of motion, then I have to understand how every muscle functions in three planes of motion. That's undeniable truth. So that's why you see people doing, as you say, crazy things, going through all three planes of motion to create mobility in a joint, to turn on the proprioceptors, to properly functionally activate a muscle to get it to do what it's going to do. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, lots well, of that's an interesting story, and it's something that as I continue to post, people continue to say, "Show me your studies. Show me your yeah. You know, you're going against research, and it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit. I don't use the word dangerous. But use a different word that you're a trainer talking about relieving someone's pain. And yes, uh, and we even had a local physical therapy group, and I'm very, very honored that they did. They came over here and uh, they had lunch with us. And I got to stand in front of them and describe what we do, all of them, every single one of them. And it's a big physical therapy place, at least in our, in our area, and they're outside of the state too. And it was really awesome because they, they, they kind of honed in on one word, at least my takeaway. They honed in on one word. It's like, you, you, you mentioned pain a lot. And I'm like, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, is it, that, that's, you know, in my head, it's like, that's a, that, that's a word I can use, right? That's not yeah. off my table. Yeah. Like, actually, you know, you, you guys take care of pain now. I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I mean, every day, every day we have clients and they walk out here in less pain or no pain. That's you bet. And it was really interesting because I, as we're analyzing it for so much time, I kind of realized that it, it's like that's a, a term that I've been to a lot of other certifications and they're saying once there's pain, you have to transfer your liability, quote unquote. You got to transfer your focus to the medical system. That's the appropriate step to do it. 
And I followed along that path for many, many years of my career until I started realizing, like, wait a minute. We had literally a completely broken L5, L, uh, L5, uh, no, no, excuse me, L1 um, all the way to T10 from a fall accident from a climber. Amazing, amazing young girl. Um, well, she's about my age, but I used to, I'll still call her young. I call her every female young. But, you know, it's, it's like it was that concept. is like she came in and she says, I'm in pain. I want to start moving again. And the part that I really want to share is that we never touched her back. Mm -hmm. I do not treat surgical sites. Right. I do not treat back pain. I don't treat knee pain. But I certainly treat the ankle, the hip, the thoracic spine, the shoulder, you know, cervical spine that isn't in pain that will affect and therefore in a lot of cases vast majority of the cases take away that pain source and that's a concept that i just i want to share. i know i'm preaching to the choir here but it's a big oh no no you, you summarize it beautifully um first yeah. of all if, if, if you uh as a personal trainer if you uh had to anytime anybody mentioned pain or a subset of pain would be called discomfort or stiffness. We wouldn't see anybody. Yeah, and that's what they call it. And, and, call yeah, and then, and there is a threshold that you know that you know. Let's say somebody you know just came through the door and and had an, a, a a surgery from an acute injury that really needs to kind of have kind of a you you, you know. Hey, listen, uh, let this really good therapy center take good care of you but they're not going to be able to hold you forever. And we'd love to continue to work with you later. But the, the, the lady that you mentioned is like you say, you understood the human body. Here's a, here's the best way to answer that question or to comment on that. Let's say that that lady is your wife. Would you rather her go to you with your understanding of the human body? Or would you rather her go to, and, and I'll, I'll probably get beat up on this one, but uh, I still I still see a lot of student uh, physical therapists who are one month away from physical therapy. And if they came in with that, you know, uh, high lumbar, low thoracic involvement. And I said, please evaluate this person to t t tell me what we're going to do. They're not going to look at the subtalar joint like you did. They're not going to look at the ankle like you did. They're not going to understand the importance of getting those hips moving in all three planes of motion to take the stress off that area. They're not going to understand that high thoracic area and the scapular mobility. They're not going to understand most stability. So the answer is, man, if that's my wife, Micah Hughes is going to treat her or right. take care of her, however you want to define that. And yeah, even if she uh, has pain and even if it is from something what would be called relatively significant, because that therapist who hasn't been trained the way you have um that has been very traditionally trained who's going to probably give her the, some back exercises or whatever we're being taught to do anymore it's just not going to get the job done so uh keep going but i just wanted to i just wanted to interrupt because you know that's our belief too uh, we we everybody had to thine own self be true you got to understand where your threshold of your abilities and liabilities are but as you know the more you've learned about the human body the more you've been able to, when people come in with pain, you go, you, you're in the right spot. Uh, yeah. Because we know, we know uh, that pain dramatically influences your life. And if I can do some things with you that indirectly take, take care of the cause, which many times you're doing, 
and get rid of that pain, not only temporarily, but permanently, then I have done my job as a personal trainer. And that's the job of a personal trainer. Yeah. And to speak to all the personal trainers in a sense, like I'm, I, we have a partnership of people. We have, sure. we have chiropractors, we have physical therapists, uh, we have massage therapists that we are, they're in our circle in a sense, not our same businesses, but that we really do our best to say, you know what? That acupedic pressure is really going to calm that tissue down a heck of a lot faster than me. Amen. Over there, and that chiropractor is going to because you got you got a sublux joint that just get it back into place, and then let's start going going to work. And right. yeah, you tore your ACL. You know what? You should go see a physical therapist because that sucker needs to be reestablished. But once right. you need function outside of just standing and going pee, whatever the case is, then you right. got to you know then you got to come to us, and it's it's, it's yep. fascinating what happens when people come to your training facility it's a gym but i call it a training facility and they ask you for, for for help and i i usually have the same conversation with them how many different people have you talked to to finally get to me and i yep. find that a very interesting kind of story and because we're always the last option and they're yep. still searching it's 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 really true we're always usually the, the last option and i i usually look at them and I say you know what i'm, I'm very sorry for what's going on i hear your story and it's, 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 it's a crazy story. It's yours, but I'm not going to treat your lower back. I'm right. not going to touch your knee. And it's right. Really, they kind of look at me like almost like, okay, I get it. Cause everyone's worked just on my knee. You know, right. Relatively, relatively yeah. Simple. Good point. And yeah. They, they're not confused. They, they intuitively go, well, this makes more sense because everybody who's isolated where I say I have my problem that that hasn't worked and I'm not able to go back to what I want to. Right. And to have somebody smart enough to connect all the dots and ultimately take advantage of all my friends of my knee. Uh, and when you take good care of my friends, all, all of a sudden the knee says, well, thank you. Now I have less stress and less responsibility on me. And now I'm going to be able to contribute to this human body better. Yeah. I, I think you experienced this as well. But when we our very first gift was in 2007. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, the very first gift gathering, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. Um, because I, the gift fellowship knew that we had therapists who'd been therapists for 35 years, some of them world known, you know, uh, sitting next to a personal trainer who took a six month personal training, uh, course, and they're looking at each other and going, so uh, we're in the same class. Yeah. We're studying the same thing. Yeah. And immediately there was a respectful bond. I mean, it was like a thing of beauty. Uh, I didn't anticipate it. I thought we'd have to do a little dancing and romancing to explain to everybody why we thought a movement specialist should be under one roof and should be taught the same thing. But what I quickly realized is that therapist who came through the door and that trainer came through the door, before they came through the door, they left this little uh, stuffed animal that they normally carry in their pocket called an ego mm. at the doorway. Yeah. And they came in and they and they immediately had respect for each other and said, so you're getting this 40 week thing out, too, huh? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Didn't learn this in school, did we? No. Well, I'm proud of you. The person, the personal trainer would say to the therapist and the therapist would go, oh, no, I'm proud of you. And, you know, you experienced the same thing. Uh, everyone in your gift class loved you and respected you and um, admired you. And you did the same to them. And that's the beauty of people with the same kind of 
mental drive, but I think call it, it's more of a heart drive and a spiritual drive who just really say, I don't care how we do it. I just want to get better at taking care of people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care, you know, where the, where the, you know, thresholds and the borders are. Uh, I, I know I'm, a, I, I, I'm going to pray about always doing the right thing, but man, if I can help this person in pain, this will bring joy to my life. And that's mostly what we do. Yeah. And especially for the, for the trainers who have an access to such an ecosystem of, because one-on-one right. training is a, is, a, is a highly focused area, but then it moves to a, a small group or semi-private and then to a large you know, group. Like there's such an amazing way to train the sustainability of human movement um, yep. in the field that I think other fields, other fields just don't have. You know, physical therapist has to build a whole other business model to do fitness inside of their physical therapy and chiropractic the same way. Where fitness, there's a, such a range of potential that yep. uh, I, it's very unique. It's very unique that we can work yeah, it is. on all the way to a team environment and train that specific ankle and then literally build programming to keep it there in a group environment that costs you $10 a session. You know, I mean, it's less than a copay at this particular point. Yeah, you know? that's why that's why it's getting even more important, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you saw an article that was done by a guy in the New York Times. This has been even year, years years ago before the co-pays got like this, but, uh, he had, he had a, uh, I, I actually believe it was an ankle problem and he went to like four or five different services in New York city and found out that, uh, the person who looked at him to listen to him that solved this problem was a personal trainer. Uh, I think he went to an orthopedic surgeon. He went to a physical therapist. He went to, a, he went to a number of people and his whole article was, um, uh, if you find somebody that understands your human body, and understands, you know, what, what you're really after. And you can, as we say, put the, put the puzzle pieces together. That's who you want. Just because they have a title of a certain type uh, or have a certain type of insurance reimbursement doesn't, doesn't mean a lot. So mm -hmm. what, what the personal trainers need to hear now is that you're becoming even more significant uh, because what you're, what you're charging many times, even with a 60, 70, $80 you know, half hour session, uh, that's a copay for a lot of physical therapy groups. Now, again, you have to hopefully if the therapist been listening to this or, you know, hopefully they've, they're going to listen long enough. I'm, I believe we got good, good, uh, people in all professions and we have what I would call, um, not so good in all professions. So I'm, I'm beating up the profession of physical therapy because I know what they still teach. Right. I'm not beating up the physical therapist. There's a lot of therapists out there that get through the tunnel and become a doctor of physical therapy. And then they start learning how the human body really works and they're doing amazing. And, and they don't have to do it through the Gray Institute. I'm not, I don't want people to assume that the only way that you're going to learn this stuff is to come our way. Cause there's a lot of great people out there teaching it. I just believe that unless, unless you can tell me, like you said, what every joint in the body is doing in all three planes of motion, when somebody walks, you'll never be able to properly treat low back pain because any of those joints, any of those muscles, any of those proprioceptors could be the cause of the low back pain. And if you can't tell me what the right mid tarsal joints doing when the right foot's in front, what's happening at the SI joint, I would have to say that I'm sorry, you not, you're not in an optimal thought process to be able to treat low back pain. Yeah. That, that scares people. Yeah. And, and from a different standpoint, because it's true, like my best friend is a physical ther therapist up in Oakland. 
area. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a thinker. He's flat out. And he's, he's yep. one of the best spinal cord physical therapists in California. Yeah. But he thinks. And uh, it's really coming down to it more. It's like, I'm understanding how the insurance world works. <laughs> and how. Well, if you that- figure that out, give me a call. Well, <laughs> yeah. But it's just talking to a bunch of physical therapy friends of mine, colleagues of mine, understanding that it's, it's, you know, not to use the word hamstring again, but they're hamstrung on how they can treat. And that's really interesting when you get to a cash pay world like we're in. Right. We can, I, and I'm going to say this very loosely and almost dramatically on purpose, we can do whatever we want. Obviously, there's ethics behind these things. Right. But, you know, be, and it's amazing what that's doing. And what I really believe is capitalism kind of always wins, you know. For yep. The, and for the bad. And this is a good opportunity. I think this is a good opportunity where people can get their dollar to stretch a lot further because they don't have to go on that East End. They don't have to go on that ultrasound. They don't have to get that ice pack. They, you know, they don't have to get the 45 minutes with the PT aid and only 15 minutes with the physical therapist when I can spend yep. 100% of the time on movement and joint, mo- you know, not joint mobilization, but joint mobility, stability, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And um, I don't just... Uh, um, it's, an, it's a very interesting opportunity time that I think in this industry, now with the pandemic's gone through, we realize that we were shunned as not essential, but we realize how health is the most essential thing in the world, enough to shut down the entire world for health. Yep. And, uh, it's like, okay, well, who's the front lines of that? Who's li- I mean, you can call it nutrition be the front line, front line, but who's from the movement side? And uh, it's the personal yep. and just a kind no, of- I agree. It's yeah. a valley cry. Yeah. Like, how can we step up and how yep. prove it the industry? No, it's it, it, and uh, you know the, again what what I hope you're saying, and I know you are, is let the personal trainers who really understand the human body let's step yeah. up. You know, right. we're not saying that you take a weekend course and uh, I wish you know, it was easy. You know your CPR. Yeah. Uh, you know you know how to call nine one one and yeah. you know how to count mm-hmm. to ten and you can know how to put plates on the thing and. Uh, but you don't know really how to look at movement and go, I think I know what's going on there. But uh, those who do, and you know, that's uh, that they're going to find out over the next two to three years that everything's playing into them. It is, isn't it sad that insurances uh, are now dictating what I can do as a physical therapist? I mean, that's and you sad, that, that should almost be a comment on what we've done over the that that should be I should be apologizing for that to all the physical therapists. So uh, for the last forty five years, I haven't proven to an insurance company that I have the professional wherewithal to determine what the patient needs. Right. They determine what the patient needs, how long the patient gets therapy, uh, what they get, what they're going to reimburse. Of course, insurance companies will always win. That's why they call them insurance companies. But um, it's kind of sad that. Um, we over 45 years, I haven't gained the trust of an insurance company to say, um, you know, you want, this is, this, this is what we need to do to help, help this person to get to ultimately where they want to go. You know, we have horse stories. Yeah. Well, you get six shots at them, you know, and you're going, you've got to be kidding me, you know? And, uh, as opposed to no, why don't you start a lifetime journey with this personal trainer? Who's going to understand you for your whole life. So there's no, there's no time where all of a sudden I can or can't do that. It's, we're always going to do what's best for you, the client. That's that's the way it should be, but that's not the way it is anymore. No, well, I I think this is like I said through understanding 
biomechanics. And be, essentially, I like to call it as becoming a physicist of movement is what you, top quality, that's, you know. That's the best description I've heard. Yeah, and principle-based thinking. I have, a, yeah. I have a few mentors. You're one of them, uh, whether you know it or not. And uh, Elon Musk, I've never met him, but I really like him because um, he's a principles first thinker. He says, yep. what should happen? And is that physically possible or not? If it is, right. then let's push for it. Right. And that's, I yep. think that's to me how the human body works. It's physical. Yep. Well, there's a lot to it. There's this thing here and this thing here. We really, And that's really, really where it happens. Um, yep. You've taught me that very, 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 very well. Yeah. I have one more question because I think this is a great story that I've certainly heard it many times and I'd love to hear it again. But it's a good representation of where you were called in um, uh, by the special forces to uh, unpack their movement, to assess and to build them a program that literally got them ready for anything. And that's how I look at our job. My job, there's no seasons outside. I'm in a studio right now. And the, literally training is going on outside these walls. You probably even heard the music playing. Is that you, there's, there's no seasons out there with those clients. They are working 24-7, nonstop. They don't have yep. an off-season, a game season. They don't have an athletic trainer in a sense. Well, I, that's not true. They don't really have the, the access in certain times of their lives to get what they need. Just like these special forces. When they're out there, they're out there. And we have to understand everything that they do. And to me, that's a great story of it, and maybe a closing story of how what you did to us to learn and get enough information to send these uh, soldiers, um, hopefully, in a brand new path. Well, uh, you know, I've never thought about that, but I love your analogy uh, because the what what we encountered with um, having the privilege of working with our um, special forces group, and we got work with the seals and the rangers and and uh one other group um that you just used as analogy is your typical client is the same thing they, they got to be ready for everything all day there's not a season there's not um a day off there's not you know hey uh I, i'm gonna play the game tomorrow and then i get to take a day or two off or hey we're gonna have three week three months off during the season mm -hmm. it's it's go time all the time all the time um and different intensity uh, levels. <laughs> what's that? Just at different intensity levels. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes the intensity forces. level of the average right. human is even more. I mean, it's, you know, when you think of what everybody has to deal with is like, wow, you know. Um, so when, as you, you know, the story, I'll, I'll, I'll abbreviate it so we don't carry on too long. But for us, it was a privilege because they, first of all, asked us to come down to a, evaluate what they were doing as far as their training, because at that point, uh, their biggest problem was getting these gentlemen redeployed. Uh, and the number one reason they couldn't be redeployed is because lingering musculoskeletal injuries wasn't being shot, wasn't, you know, what we would call battle stuff. It was the typical neuromusculoskeletal problems that they weren't able to go back and uh, go come stateside and then get properly rehabbed, so to speak, and get back uh, and to do what they need to do in, in different countries, so to speak. So we, I didn't know much about, I, I never had the privilege of being in the military. I, I watched movies um, and it's some, some kind of idea. But when I went down there and kind of, they let me see some of their training. You're not allowed to see a lot of the stuff just because of the confidentiality and also just because it's, um, it's, it's very protected. No 
uh, yeah, it, it was, it didn't surprise me. I saw some really typical traditional things, a lot of push-ups, a lot of pull-ups, you know, a lot of running. Um, and I said, I, I said to the gentleman that I was dealing with, I said, I, I don't want to seem ignorant here, but I'm ignorant. I, I don't know everything a seal does. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't know everything they do. And they go, the guy goes, well, they do everything. I go, yeah, but I don't know what that is. You know, I don't know what it feels like to, you know, jump out of a plane and land with a parachute on. I don't, I don't know what it feels like to, you know, haul a chainsaw into a area and try to use it to open up an area to excavate, to get to the enemy, so to speak. I don't know what it feels like to be out on the field and being shot at. I don't know what it feels like to, you know, be in water and covertly try to sneak up beside uh and ship and, you know, put a bomb on a ship. I said, I don't know any of that stuff. And he goes, well, yeah, it's because you haven't been a SEAL. And I go, I know that. I said, but here's, here's what I'd like to propose. I said, where I come from, a lot of the factories let me come in and share with them how I would, what I would do to take care of my body. And I said, I don't believe the way I was taught in the books. The books taught this body mechanic stuff that's contrived and, you know, this artificial stuff that makes no sense to anybody in the factory. If you've ever gone there and gave them one of those traditional talks, they'd laugh you out of the place. So what I do is I get a hold of the CEO of the factory of the company and go, I need to work for free for three days in your facility. And then I will be more willing to get in front of your people and say, if I had that job, here's what I would do to beat up my body less and be able to go home and still play with the kids. Mm -hmm. 100% of the time, they said, great. Are you kidding? This is wonderful. And my credibility level went up because I quickly realized how hard it is to work in that factory, how, how dedicated these people are to their families, what they do day after day in order to just put food on the table. And I just, first of all, I usually go there and go, you guys are my heroes. Mm -hmm. And I said, so that's what I need to do. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I need to be a SEAL. That, well, I had to pick him off the ground because he was laughing so hard. I mean, literally, this guy... I'm thinking, what's so funny? And he goes, well, first of all, have you seen yourself? <laughs> I go, yeah, I try not to look in the mirror, but yeah, I've seen myself. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And he goes, plus, he goes, I'm high in the, I'm high in the, uh, the Navy. He says, I couldn't even train with the SEALs. Unless you're a SEAL, you don't train with the SEALs. He goes, let me see if I can put this in perspective. If you like basketball, yeah, he says, Let's say, uh, you know, the Lakers are running their triangular offense and uh, it's, it's the day before game seven of the NBA championship. And you go, you know what? I'd like to go to practice. I'd like to get part of the part of the triangle here. And I want to learn when I when I should pick up, when I should pick over, when I, when I should actually give and go, when I should set, you know, do this. And they go and I go, well, they'd never let you do that. They'd screw everything up. He goes precisely. He says, but the only thing you're going to screw up is they're going to miss a layup. You become a SEAL, you're going to get somebody killed. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, okay. That's, that's a little different than my, I had in my brain. And he goes, so what's your proposal? I said, I, I can't. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to, what to tell you, what I may be able to do to help these gentlemen, because I don't know what they do, and I only have a pinch knowledge of how they train. So uh, my gut instinct is there's a gap between their training and what they really do. Um, and because I see that in all sports and he goes, well, well, how do you want to resolve that? And I go, well, maybe you have some um, movie or some film you can show me. He goes, no, nah, we can't even allow you to see that. And I go, well, I'm sorry. I said, 
I don't know what to do. I said, why don't I go back home and let me give me, you know, a couple couple days to think about it. And but I know what we've already talked about, but ideally me coming and being a seal for a little while would really be. So he laughed again. He goes, well, that's never going to happen. And as you know, the rest of the story is I got home a couple days later. He calls me up and he says, we have approval from the admiral. And he goes, I have no idea why, but you get to be a seal for a week. And at that point, I go. Well, that's the stupidest thing I might have ever thought of in my life, you know. <laughs> and he goes, "Be, be, you have to be proficient with the nine uh, millimeter M16, da, 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 all things that. At least I had friends that he says. So when you get show up here, we're, we get we can't waste time, you know. So you don't shoot yourself in the toe, or worse than that, mm-hmm. shoot somebody else. And so the the whole idea of uh, the, the the that weak story, we'll see for another time. But that was that's a book in itself. Because it all the, the start the start of the book was respect, the end of the book was respect, and the middle of the book is every day we should be down on our hands and knees thanking our uh, military, everybody for what they're doing to keep us safe. That's 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 the book. Um, that's what I learned, and that's what I you know it, it's amazing. But here's here's what your point was: is that we had to, when we found out what they did, we had to figure out a way that we could train them and be a specialist of all their specialties and the problem is they have a lot of specialties like more than i ever dreamed uh and more difficult than i ever dreamed and so we had to come up with what we called a lot of common denominator foundational movements to allow them to then build from there based on what time they had and what their goals were and what knickknack injuries they had and what musculoskeletal problems they were dealing with and as you know we were extremely successful in that even to the point where a couple of years later, the uh, the what I would call the seal that we dealt with mostly uh, shared with a group of chain reaction participants that within one year uh, we reduced the musculoskeletal injuries up to ninety percent, and the redeployment rate was like unbelievable because they were training different. You know, they just weren't doing a thousand push-ups from an XXX position, and so you know the drill there. So we were. That, that was a huge blessing to us because we are forced to think, okay, if we can come up with a common denominator assessment and training and mobility and strength program that literally attacks every joint and every plane of motion um, and turns on every proprioceptor and engages every muscle, and we're able to do this with the least amount of movements, uh, and then build from there, we're going to be very successful. And of course, you know, that was the uh, that's when the whole idea of 3D maps started firming up, the six movements of 3D maps. So um, it was our warm up, you know, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of exactly. Warm ups. And it was, and it was yeah. strangely enough, it was the first thing, even before 3D maps, when you, when you saw Lisa do the spherical matrix, that was that. I mean, yeah. you, literally she was lunging and moving in all three planes of motion and driving her hands in all three planes of motion. And all of a sudden you're going, what's that? Well, the answer is those simple six movements lengthen, create mobility in every joint in the body to their threshold, which is the goal, and create the need for strength to control it in, in all those joints and turn on every proprioceptor and therefore engage all every muscle you have in your body with six movements. Well, that's like we would have thought even in, even in, when you took GIF, we said that was impossible, and you know, because everything was just pure, specially trained. Yeah, you said Remember it's that? not there. We just can't figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you know, we said I, I, I got in front of a, everybody. Said I don't think it can be done. 
Yeah. You know, this there's a global human movement analysis and training program. Now you got remember I kept preaching you got to know the transformational zone of the specialty right. of the context dependent. Well, I was wrong again. You know, and that's that's probably if I had to write a book of my life, uh, you know, I've been wrong a lot. And but I I think I was blessed as a kid to know how dumb I was and to realize that being wrong is going to be my game. Yeah. And uh, as long as I take advantage of the game and go, OK, now that I'm wrong, what would be better? What what's what theoretically is more right? And so that's kind of what I've tried to do my entire life. So um, and that's kind of the foundation of what we do in AFS is understanding uh, how you then tweak those fundamental fundamental movements to make them more specialist like for that specialty that the person wants. And it becomes a beautiful package, like you say, a very logical, simple package. But it, you got to go through the complexity, as we say, the valley of complexity to get to the mountaintop of simplicity. And uh, you guys, I believe, are just doing an amazing job of taking advantage of the mountain of simplicity and and basically sharing the the truths in a way that people understand them quite effectively and instantaneously can empower their clients. And I think that's why you guys have been so successful and that's why you're going to be hugely successful over the next three to five years. So I'm excited for you. I appreciate that. Well, to me, this is a perfect full circle moment because it was that crazy, funky girl named Lisa doing these crazy, funky moves and which now have become a staple of every single program that we do and is now actually, if you think of a trainer out there who says, I get to train a Navy SEAL, like, and how you can't get better than that. It's just like that, and it seems to be an egocentric, just I got a trophy on the wall type of clientele. You know, instead of the trophy fish, it's the trophy client. It doesn't get better than, than no. And then realize that, that what she was doing in that big box gym was no different, literally, no different than what a few teams or a few different uh, camps or bases are doing in their warm-ups. I know not everyone does it, but I know it's that you can only influence who you can influence. They're doing. And that's all under the training and conditioning world. Yep. That's, that kind of covers it. Yeah, we, had a, covers we, we, of course, teach that within our uh, free-to-play program, and uh, a young lady uh, went her – she she went up to a basketball game up in Detroit and saw uh, the, this particular athlete uh, do his warm up and he did a spherical ma matrix warm up um, basically a full 3D maps warm up first of all uh, free flow and then with a little bit of weight and then while he was dribbling the basketball and she realized that she had just done that herself and she went back back uh, to her school and her teacher who basically allowed them to do the free-to-play matrices every every day it takes five or six minutes uh she went to her teachers she says here's what i saw and then she thought for a bit and she goes am i just like a professional athlete and her teacher brilliantly says mm, i think you're even better than that Scott Tingle's yes certainly certainly you're as important you know and i i think it's about time we teach our clients and we teach our kids and we teach us older people that we have as much significance as importance as anybody else, uh, and that our goal is to show the same respect to a multi-billion-dollar athlete and a SEAL who's worth even more than multi-billion dollars, and the same respect to um, you know our family members and uh, our friends, and the same respect for that dear person who comes into that facility the first time and said, "Man, I'm looking for 
uh, somebody to personally train me and to empower me to let me love life even more. Yeah. And that's where you get the smile on your face and go, you be in the right spot. I dig it. Well, right on. Well, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the story time. I really appreciate connecting with you. Uh, thank you for sharing your perspective to um, an industry that I really obviously care about a whole lot and who uh, directly I influence and you directly influence through me as well and as through everything that you guys do. So thank you. Well, it's it's always a blessing to see uh, you have this, uh, this uh, charming smile, um, but as, as significant as your charming smile, I literally have the ability to see your heart smile. And uh, so I appreciate your heart and spirit and what you've meant to me. And, and, and uh, you have truly have become the uh, mentoree that has turned and transformed into my mentor. So I, I appreciate what you've contributed to my life and our, our grandstude family's life. So all I can do is just uh, pray that, uh, you know, you continue to get blessed just as you continue to bless so many people. So thank you for this opportunity, Michael. I really appreciate it. Uh, right back at you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag gymnasio podcast. That's hashtag gymnasio podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnasioedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.